Hey there, it's Seb Father Real Estate Guy here again with another episode, if you will, of the Real Santa Cruz Podcast. This is a recording that I made uh, yesterday when I went down to the Santa Cruz uh, County uh, Regional Transportation Committee meeting. They were supposed to talk about the train, the uh, train project. Uh, they're going to give us an update on the study that they're doing right now, and that's what I really wanted to go and hear. Unfortunately, they didn't really talk at all about the train. They said they hadn't had quite enough time to digest uh, the preliminary findings yet, so they've pushed that off until January or February. But if you're interested to hear what's going on with the RTC, this is a, a more or less complete uh, recording of a two-hour meeting that was held on Thursday, December 4th at the RTC in the Santa Cruz County Chamber uh, for the Board of Supervisors. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, maybe you won't, but uh, if you do and you're curious, check it out. Um, Commissioner Gotch? Commissioner Rustiki? Here. Commissioner McPherson? Here. Commissioner Leopold? Here. Commissioner Friend? Here. Commissioner Coonerty? Here. Commissioner Cabot? Here. Commissioner Montesino? Here. Commissioner Johnson? Here. Commissioner Lane? Here. Commissioner Norton? Here. And Exit PCO Gabe Evans? Here. Okay, we've got um, executive order from the public on items not at the agenda. This is an opportunity for the public to weigh on the items not at the agenda. Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Jack Nelson. Um, thank you for the opportunity to address your commission. Um, so, it's December, Christmas is coming up, um, holiday season, and I'd like to present you with my one item uh, Christmas wish list to Santa Claus. Your commission is involved, so I thought I'd let you know just in case uh, Santa decides to grant my wish. So what, what I'm wishing for, uh, backing up a step, uh, you may know me as somebody who doesn't believe that the laws of physics may be suspended even for a single exemption for humanity's uh, CO2 emissions in the atmosphere. But of course, believing in Santa Claus would require uh, suspension of the laws of physics, and so I'm just I'm just going to um, go with that. Uh, also, uh, Santa Claus may be uh, reorganizing his own priorities. I've just been reading in the current December issue of Scientific American about the polar jet stream, and uh, what's happening is uh, the Arctic is warming faster than the rest of the planet that decrease in differential temperature between uh, the Arctic and the rest of the planet is affecting the polar jet stream. Uh, it's, uh, as you know, last winter was uh, amplified in its oscillations resulting in a polar vortex, so uh, my sister in the Midwest was dumped with snow while we were afflicted with uh, historic drought. So this article is very interesting about whether or not we're going to see more of that. And there is a very good prospect that we could, either soon or at some point. So, um, thinking about the North Pole, I'm wondering if Santa Claus might be one of the early climate refugees out of this situation. And so that would change his priorities also. But my wish, coming back to my wish, this is also, um, as a member of the Citizens Climate Lobby, um, and the 35 other members of the Santa Cruz chapter would also join in on this wish that your commission 
would endorse um, climate fee and dividend legislation proposed nationally by the citizens' climate body. And what this would do would um, initially make a modest increase in the cost of gasoline in Santa Cruz County and driving, but it wouldn't uh, result in any new revenue for your commission because the fee would be dividended back to the American people. Now, I know your commission is very hungry for funds to get things done, maintenance, new projects, and so forth. So why would you endorse this? Uh, well, uh, my first thought, or first comment on that, and then I'll finish, is that um, if people pay more of the true cost of using fossil fuels to get around, they would quickly and creatively find more ways to do less of that and more of other ways of accomplishing their needs. And what that would do in turn would be reduce the demand for something like widening Highway 1. And that's where your maintenance funds are right now. They're hiding in plain sight. You're planning to use them to widen Highway 1, again, with more ox lanes. That's your maintenance money hiding in, hiding in plain sight. If you didn't need that for more lanes, you'd have your maintenance money. So let's, I'm going to hope that Santa Claus is listening and grasping my wish. Thank you. Thank you for that. Will anybody else want to invite the way I was not there? See, now I'm bringing back any um, staff. Any additions or deletions? Uh, no, Mr. Chairman. There's one handout for a presentation from County Public Works. I'm trying to leave it. No other add-on pages. Thank you for that. So now we're on to the consent agenda. Anybody from the public like to weigh in on the consent agenda? See now, bring it back to the motion. approval the consent agenda. Second. So it's been moved and second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Any no's? None. Motion passes. Uh, now on to um, 14 commissioners report. Any commissioners have anything to Yes, good morning, Commissioners. Um, just a, a couple of uh, quick items. Uh, first, the uh, passenger rail study, feasibility study, is, uh, is ongoing. Uh, we had hoped to be able to bring you um, at least a cursory report this morning, um, but we are still digesting a lot of the materials that the uh, consultant has uh, been giving us. And we will be um, bringing back uh, more to you um, either at our January or February meeting. Um, so far, we've uh, completed uh, developing the goals, evaluation framework, service scenarios, and uh, compiled a lot of data. And uh, right now, uh, what we're, they're working on is um, service and operating estimates, vehicle technology, station design, travel speeds, headways, uh, storage, maintenance, um, so on. Uh, operating and maintenance costs, capital costs, uh, and financial analysis with recommended funding strategies. So um, this work is underway and uh, we hope to be bringing um, more detail to you um, back in the near future. Um, and speaking of the near future, we will not be having a policy workshop meeting uh, two weeks from today. Um, so you can clear your calendar of that. And also, like, let everybody know that our office will be closed uh, Christmas week between uh, December 22nd and the 26th. So um, nobody will be there for that. 
And then also we are um, in the middle of a um, audit from Caltrans for our um, to, that determines uh, just the audit is just about determining our um, overhead rate that we are allowed to charge uh, towards grants. And um, so far it's going well, and we'll uh, expect to have the final report back from them late March to mid-April on that. And that concludes my report. I'd be glad to answer any questions. Pardon me? something that we thought would be of interest uh, to everybody. It's a very short uh, video that uh, I circulated uh, amongst our staff and uh, got really positive responses that we share with you today. It's, it shows um, how to think maybe a little bit beyond our normal way of doing things, how to solve a problem in transportation. So let's, let's roll the video. Well, maybe, maybe we'll come back to it later. Send us the link to the packet. Technical difficulties. But any commissioners uh, who are here to have any questions for me? Yes, Do we have the certificates? You can do that now. This is the last meeting uh, for several of you, um, and we wanted to uh, recognize your service to the commission. So, okay. So, Mr. Chairman, would you like to be honored?
from all of us, uh, thank you for your service. We, uh, I mean, you provided a lot of the leadership here in the commission on a lot of issues, so I want to thank you. Thank you very much. It won't be me. <laughs> Commissioner Lynn uh, Robinson, thank you for your service. Okay. And you know you dedicated your uh, um, a lot to transportation. Uh, I don't know if you were invested in transportation, but you represented us in Metro. You represent us here at the commission. So I just want to thank you for all of your service. Thank you very much. Vice Chair, I have the uh, pleasure of giving our uh, appreciation award uh, to our chair, Eduardo Montesino, who has brought uh, a unique perspective as someone who's out on the roads every day in his professional life as a bus driver um, and as an elected official in Watsonville as a father of children. Um, he brings a wide range of perspectives uh, to the transportation discussions, and I really appreciate the service that you've given to the Regional Transportation Commission. Thank you. Chair and Vice Chair. Um, um, uh, the committee uh, met and uh, it was a difficult decision because we have a, a lot of expertise and a lot of commitment here in the Commission, um, but we centered on, on also uh, moving forward the community, but also keeping in, in touch with, um, we've had for some years now having a, a commissioner from um, the county and, and the city. Uh, representing us, so um, with that transition moving forward, um, we uh, we wanted to put forward the names of Commissioner John Leopold because he's the vice chair being as the chair, and Commissioner uh, Don Lane as being the vice chair. This is what we're going to do. With that, uh, I, I would um, return some remarks. So it's been moved and second. Any other discussion? Uh, with that, everybody in favor say aye. Aye. You know, none. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you for stepping up. And thank you for moving the committee forward for the next next few years. Um, with that, um, I always forget that we transition. We've done it both ways. <laughs> 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 Your choice. Thank you, Eduardo, for your service. Uh, and I look forward to uh, representing the uh, commission well in the coming year. 
Uh, we move on to item number 17, which is the Caltrans report. All right. Good morning, Mr. Gubbins. Good morning. Thank you, Chair Leopold. Um, I think I get to be the first to say it. All right. Um, just a, a few items today. Um, first one, as everyone can probably tell, we're getting into the winter weather. So just with the rainy weather, just want to encourage everyone to adopt your good rainy weather driving tips, giving yourself extra time when you need to, increasing your distance following, not just for stopping, but also for the sprays, especially if you're, if you're driving along with trucks or buses, be aware of visibility concerns as you're near them. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to do that. Also, um, we've had just a, a couple incidents so far. It's been pretty good, but I'm sure we'll have some more, so please. Um, we will have crews out there, pay attention to them, if you would. Um, we'll try and clear roads, reopen roads if they have to be closed as soon as we can, safely do so. Um, we did have some uh, pavement overlay planned on uh, State Route 152 that got postponed due to weather, so that will be um, coming up, that will be rescheduled. Um, and Highway 9 up in Boulder Creek, we've had some crews out there after working with Supervisor McPherson and the community up there and everything, we, we've been able to uh, update some uh, crosswalks, remove some parking near corners, give some crossings and sight distance, and some, some other striping we were able to do. We really appreciate being able to work with the community that way, and uh, we've appreciated the response we've had for that work. Um, there's been some concerns on Highway 129 with the rail crossing. The pavement condition has kind of uh, deteriorated along the railroad. We've worked closely with uh, your staff, Iowa Pacific. They now have the funding for between the tracks and everything else. So we'll continue working on 129, and that should happen shortly. Um, as I said, Iowa Pacific's funding for their portion of it, and so we'll be working together to get that pavement um, cleared up as well. Lastly, I just, um, in this time of people moving on, I wanted to mention um, one of my deputies who a lot of you have known and worked with, Steve Price. He's my deputy over maintenance and operations. Um, usually when we do have some of these concerns of things that have happened, either the emergencies for the maintenance crews out there or operations, what we can do to solve some things. He's worked in this district for over 23 years, over 35 years with Caltrans. He will be retiring at the end of this month. So... Um, I will then you know, be looking in the first part of next year at how that, uh, his replacement will come aboard and how I, how I might uh, recruit for that. But just wanted to let you guys know, since I know he has interaction with a lot of people, that uh, that will be happening. With that, um, I would be open for any questions. Are there questions? Uh, Supervisor Coonerty. Thank you. Actually uh, drove through Davenport yesterday myself just to see the conditions. Um, 
As you know, the, the speed limit has been reduced through the area to 45 instead of 55 on either side of it. And to make people aware of that, the speed feedback signs, which are effective in a lot of places to let people know what their speed actually is entering. We put that up, this uh, speed feedback, as well as um, the flashing overhead beacon that's, that's over to warn of the potential pedestrian overcrossing. Um, what the, the grading you refer to, we had, we had some uh, equipment out there. We drop off at the edge of the road. There was some cars that did park there. We're kind of, you know, we were concerned about the potholes that perhaps catching on there. We had someone there kind of just filling in the holes, grading it. Um, he was unaware at the time because he saw some other areas start he graded a little bit further than just the road drop off and the shoulder. It was not an intentional um, encouraging people to park there. It was just knowing that people did um, in his proactive nature. He wanted to address that. Um, we had a call from a citizen during that operation, and so we immediately stopped and moved back onto the roadway after, after we were notified and found out. So again, um, as far as future, again, speed limits are hard to adjust much, much further down because of the rules that we have um, constraining them to the 85th percentile, things like that. There could be perhaps enforced enhancement. We can talk to the CHP about that. Is there a way that they can do anything to get people to obey? At times, when we talk to them, it's, uh, yeah, you know, you guys care about all your roadways. Sometimes coming from the county board or a board like this, they know that it's more of the community desire and that it's a hotspot with the community. I might encourage this board or the board of supervisors to take that up. But other than that, if we artificially lower the speed limit too far, that can uh, actually have drawbacks. And you can't do things like verbal scripts to signal the people that they're going to definitely Yeah, not with that type of roadway and speed we have now. Okay, thank you. And I just <clears throat> want to make it uh, how much I appreciate the improvements that have gone on up at Boulder Creek. It's um, looking at this for quite a while, and uh, the Boulder Creek Business Association became very active in improving that. There's a lot to do in the uh, Highway 9 corridor. It's an uh, interesting situation when your main street is a state highway through your main communities up in the San Lorenzo Valley. But uh, again, it was. Um, the crosswalks, we had a fatality up there in Boulder Creek as well, um, sadly. Uh, but the crossing, we're going to have better lighting. And I, I just want to uh, say uh, thank you to Caltrans and the cooperative effort that we've done together with the uh, County Public Works Department and PGE as well. And uh, we really appreciate it. Um, there's more to do, I know, but uh, uh, the people up there really appreciate uh, what you've done. And uh, thank you for your efforts. Another question, Supervisor Cat. Sure. Uh, more a statement of appreciation uh, for your cooperation on a lot of projects, uh, especially with uh, South County. And uh, uh, with the uh, Riverside Drive, at, uh, that's what locals call it, Riverside Drive at uh, Walker Street. Uh, it looks like everything's going ahead with uh, coordination with uh, Iowa Pacific, the RTC, City of Watsonville, and Caltrans. Uh, that's that's a, an awful lot for uh, just a little, probably 20 foot of rail, right? <laughs> but uh, anyway, I appreciate all of you that have done work on that. And it is a problem to people when they do drive through there. The other is a thank you and then there's also a request. Uh, with the uh, waiver of fees for the uh, Veterans Parade, 
and uh, I'm thanking you on that. And then in a couple months, I'll be talking to you about the Portuguese community wanting to do their annual parade again, also. And again, I would I would recommend the same avenue, you know, because the cities are exempt from that. Come come through the city, sure. county to us is always an easier approach. You bet. So thank you. Any others? Well, on this holiday of Thanksgiving, uh, uh, Mr. Governor, I, I will tell you that uh, your staff sent out regular notices uh, about road work in the in the region. And uh, yesterday or the day before, they sent out something about uh, tips for driving in rainy weather. And as the father of a 16-year-old driver, it was very helpful. <laughs> so, I appreciate it. Thank you. Now we'll move on to item 18, which is project updates from County of Santa Cruz Public Works. It's an oral presentation. Good morning, Mr. Wiesner. Commissioner, while Steve is getting set up, um, I just would like, I guess while he's finding a chair. <laughs> it's a tough crowd. Uh, we just wanted to uh, let you know that uh, Steve was uh, recently selected by his peers. and Director Dondero, RTC staff and members of the public. Uh, my name is Steve Wiesner and I'm Assistant Director of Public Works and Transportation Division for the County of Santa Cruz. And I'm pleased to be here to give you an update on transportation related projects uh, within the unincorporated areas of our county. Um, I, I do this kind of biannually it seems like now, so it's been a couple of years since I've been here. And uh, there's a number of projects that I have to show you. Um, the focus of my presentation today will be on projects that have been funded wholly or in part through your commission and will consist of recently completed projects, projects currently in construction, projects that are under development, and, and I'll briefly touch on future needs um, for our county's local road network. Um, hopefully at the end there'll be a little bit of time for Q&A. Okay, so we'll start with recently completed projects. This was a couple years ago here, uh, the Graham Hill Road Improvement Project. It took uh, quite a number of years to develop um, and build up some funding, but we used STIP money here at this project um, great safety enhancement, widened out the road, um, we had some shoulder widening, a lot of drainage improvements, and, um, and it provided a much needed left-hand turn pocket down on the road here. Uh, Calabasas Road Improvement Project, this is South County. Um, this project also took a number of years to develop, um, but a great project. Um, uh, full complete streets, curb, gutters, sidewalk, um, drainage, we added bike lanes, um, and, and it went from uh, Bradford uh, Road down to Buena Vista, encompassed the elementary school area, the Great Safety Improvement and uh, Neighborhood Enhancement Project. This is the Coralitos Road left-hand turn lane project at Black Bradley Elementary, um, where there was, uh, you can see, I have these before and after pictures. Um, there's the cars used to queue up on Coralitos Road quite a bit, 
um, and we're able to get a left-hand turn pocket in there, almost a 1,300-foot left-hand turn pocket there. Um, so another queue in the middle there for circulation in and out of the school, uh, both for drop-off and pickup. So it's a great project we completed last summer. Okay, so uh, the next series of slides I'm just going to go through fairly quickly. Um, we've been focusing a lot on behavior management. A lot of the resources that we get through your agency goes towards our uh, major arterials and major collectors. And uh, so you'll see some before and after pictures here of uh, sort of distressed pavement and then, you know, what we've done to, to repair it and resurface it. So this is Bear Creek Road. It's Capitola Road near Live Oak School. This is uh, in the little town of Davenport. We're able to get some of the roads out there done. They're very distressed, the pavement was. Take a look at that. Um, I will mention we're employing a number of techniques and methods, um, different uh, types of layers of slurry seals, multi-layered uh, resurfacing techniques. Uh, this is Empire Grade. This is South County, Green Valley Road. And we continue to work our way northward on Green Valley Road to try and take care of that major artery. And you can see most of these projects used, uh, utilizing RSTP funding, so we'll see on federal aid routes. This is Mount Hermon Road, one of the main arteries in and out of the San Lorenzo Valley. We'll try and keep that in good shape as well. Uh, this, this one was the only one that we actually did a full-blown uh, hot mix asphalt overlay on. Um, this was in uh, Soquel Village area. This is Porter Street looking towards the freeway, um, right around the intersection of Soquel Drive. This is Portola Drive, coastal Live Oak area. And uh, this is Summer Road, and this is near the intersection where SoCal San Jose comes into Summer Road, and another kind of main artery in and out of the county as well. Okay, um, so projects in construction. We Most of the stuff wrapped up right now before the range, but we do have one project that's still in construction. Um, that's under your purview. Uh, this is Nelson Road. And this is a unique storm damage repair project you may recall a few years ago, um, March 2011, we had a huge event come through, caused some massive slides all over the county. This one in particular completely blocked Nelson Road. And so we were actually able to secure some SIP funding through your commission. We greatly appreciate that. We're out there building it. We're about 50% of the way done with that project. We expect it to be totally complete by next summer. Um, so you can see the before and after picture of where we're at during construction. All right, now some of the projects that we have under development. Um, okay. Oops. Okay, State Park Drive, see, look, this is a village improvement project. Um, it includes bike, pedestrian improvements, intersection improvements, um, lots of nice streetscaping. In it. It'll reorganize a lot of the parking in the downtown core area. Um, we're pretty well done with our design work and so forth, and we're waiting for the utility companies to come in and do all their undergrounding work, which it's also an underground utility district as well. To build quite a bank of funds to try and get this project complete, but we anticipate if the undergrounding happens next summer that we'd be in construction for our project in fall 2015. This is the Optos Village Improvement Plan, which received funds through your commission um, recently uh, to do a portion of that project. We're rolling this project out in two phases. Uh, the first phase is going to be the Tropical Ultra Road signal at Soquel Drive, um, which you see here. Um, and some of the improvements along Soquel Drive also with that, and then the next year we plan to come back and then complete all the improvements along Soquel Drive. Uh, Twin Lakes Beachfront uh, Improvement Project. So this project also recently received funds through your commission. Um, uh, this project's going to be a fantastic uh, enhancement to this coastal area right here uh, between 5th and 7th um, along East Cliff Drive. 
and uh, and it's a full again complete streets project that in, in improves pedestrian, bicycle, and then also coastal access, um, and reorganizes the parking as well. And we're pretty well done with the design on this project, and we plan to roll this thing out into construction next spring, spring 2015. Uh, this is the other storm damage repair project that uh, got funded through your commission uh, with STIP funds. Um, this is Redwood Lodge Road. Um, and uh, again, we don't normally fund storm damage repairs through the STIP process, uh, but you know the county found itself in, in a bit of a pinch trying to get some of these projects completed um, and roads reopened. And so this one, we'll look forward to um, getting out next summer. We'll probably be bidding the project out next spring and in construction next summer. Um, this is a, a bridge replacement project, which is also unique. We don't typically come to your commission for bridge replacement funds. Um, however, this one doesn't qualify for the, uh, the federal uh, bridge replacement program, and so it's a critical uh, bridge out on Casserly Road, um, near Smith Road, South County as well. Um, and uh, we're starting to build a bank on that one, and, and we expect we're in design process, and we expect to be hopefully in construction by summer 2016. Okay, so the next series of slides is going to be just a, a few uh, of the uh, pavement overlay um, and seal coat projects that we still have on the books. Uh, we're waiting for other types of infrastructure improvements to be done before we roll these out, such as some sanitation projects and so forth. So this one's on 17th Avenue, uh, Bromart East Cliff. This one's on East Cliff Drive, right in the same area, um, between 12th and 17th. And this is Freedom Boulevard, which has STIP funding on it, uh, and the STIP cycle doesn't come up in for another year. So we'll be happy to roll that one out because Freedom Boulevard's in great need of help right now. Okay, so just going to briefly touch on what our future needs are. Um, pavement management continues to be a, a, a fairly large challenge for our department. Um, we, we all know the gas tax um, is not keeping up with inflation. It hasn't been raised since 1993. I don't know if you all saw the 60 Minutes piece that Scott Pelley did couple weeks ago, but it was, it's quite telling. Uh, if you haven't seen it, get on the internet and find it. It's a really good piece. It's only 15 minutes and kind of lays out the story that we've been all talking about for, for the past many years. Um, so we need to try to, you know, improve our highways out there and our, our roadways and, and paper management sort of key. Um, but we'll continue to focus in on our safety improvement projects. Um, storm damage repair is always, in, you know, in the works for us. Um, our public works department up in the hills. And, uh, and bike and pedestrian projects uh, will also be, you know, upcoming um, uh, focus for us, uh, along with the, the bridge and culvert work that we do and, and continually working on our signal, signal operation improvements uh, throughout the county as well. Um, right now, you know, the, the funding uh, sources are, are, are not uh, keeping up with the needs that we have in our department, um, you know, but we continue to work with your commission, with our the local board of supervisors and state legislators and so forth, um, and through SEAC and some of the other uh, policy um, support that we have um, to try and find, you know, more funding sources. And some of the stuff that we see that would be very, very helpful would be, and we've talked about this, this here at the commission here, it would be a local vehicle registration fee that would help the county out quite a bit. And, and a local sales tax measure so we can become a self-help county and we can take care of our roads on ourselves without having to rely wholly on state and federal dollars. And whether that's done through through the RTC um, and some type of countywide sales measure, which encompasses lots of things, and, you know, local roads being one of the elements, you know, or whether the county, you know, goes, goes ahead and does that on our own, we can see that as being a very viable source into the future. And, of course, we will support any type of future state bond measure that comes through for transportation as well. Similar to the Prop 1A and Prop 1B that we got some years back. 
So um, with that, I just would like to thank my staff. I have a fantastic group of professionals that I work with, um, including all the maintenance crews that we have out there on the roads, continually trying to keep our roadways open and safe for everyone to travel. Um, and uh, John Presley, I think, is still here, our director of public works, who uh, you know provides critical experience and guidance on all of our projects. He's very involved in everything that, that we do. Um, and uh, I'd like to thank Director Dondero and his staff, great professionals, and specifically in uh, appreciation towards Rachel Marconi, who you know provides us with a tremendous amount of guidance and expertise and keeps her thumb on the pulse of what's happening both at the state and federal level consistently. Um, through the ITAC, the technical uh, advisory committee that I sit on, and uh, we're great, gratefully appreciative of all of the information and work that you guys do, and your commission as well. And last but not least, your commission, and continually supporting the work that we do. Um, you know, it's really critical for us all to work together to try to provide a safe, uh, efficient transportation system for, for our folks. So, thank you very much. Um, and with that, I'd be happy to take any questions that you may have. All right, well, thank you, uh, Mr. Wiesner. Congratulations on your election as chair of the ITAC committee, and also to Mr. Presley for his election as chair of SEAC. Um, uh, what was that? I'm secretary. Secretary. You're going to work your way up to chair. Yeah. So he's secretary. Um, other questions for Mr. Wiesner about the county uh, report? Uh, Supervisor Cap. Hey, uh, thanks for all you do. Uh, your office has always been uh, very accessible. You answer a lot of questions and you actually uh, interact with uh, the people that live in all parts of the county. Uh, that means a lot to uh, someone that when they do complain or they get a group together uh, that actually somebody goes and talks to them and tries to explain. Uh, you do a lot with the money, that uh, the small amount of money that you do have. You do make it go a long way as I realize that. And uh, people can see that all parts of the county uh, have major issues, and everybody's trying to get a piece of that pie. So it's, it's pretty tough to uh, please everybody, but you're doing a good job. Uh, real quick, I guess just, uh, I know uh, with Smith Road at Casserly near the uh, uh, Spring Hills Golf Course, mm -hmm. Uh, so the, the plans are actually being pushed forward. Mm -hmm. Actual work, though, would beginning uh, parts of the work would actually start with, not the completion date. So actual construction, we are in the design phase. Are you talking about the bridge replacement? Yeah. Yeah, we're in the design phase. Actual construction, we're, we're hoping for 2016, but we are still building a bank for that project. And so it will be dependent upon some future funding. Okay. And then the other would be, I guess, uh, Highway 152, also known as East Lake Avenue, at Hulahan and College. Uh, restructuring of the turn lanes and uh, I know that not too much can be done with the bridge, but uh, how's that going? I understand there is some funding being uh, accumulated in the future. That's going well, actually. We're moving forward um, with that project in conjunction with you know, Caltrans. It's kind of cooperative uh, project that we have, and, and we have actually uh, made some strides in moving forward with that as well. Yeah, and do you, do you have, uh, I'm just curious, uh, there's private property issues there too with moving of poles and going actually on part of a parking lot there? Uh, yeah, there'll be some small, there'll be some, right, some modest right-of-way takes for that project to, to occur. 10 feet, 12 feet or yeah, something, something like that. Sure. Okay, thank you. Uh, Supervisor Coonerty. Uh, thank you. I just well, I wanted to appreciate the highlighting of the Twin Lakes project. Uh, that had gotten stalled about a decade ago, and when I 
first came to office eight years ago, one of the first things I did was walk to the Twin Lakes neighborhood to engage the uh, residents there. And uh, the fact that eight years later we're about to go to bed is very gratifying, and it's going to be a great improvement for that area, and I appreciate it. Uh, for Yeah, I know that, and uh, we're talking about county roads, of course, and the corporate here. Cities have their own issues to face, uh, but uh, I really do appreciate the cooperative effort with the state in my area. We just talked uh, just a minute ago about Highway 9 and how important that is, but I was looking at, uh, at some of the major projects in Nelson Road and Grand Hill and Empire Grade there in the district, uh, and I know that uh, projects such as Safe Route to School for Boulder Creek Elementary School is in the design phase, and uh, that's going to be very important for the safety factor up at that school, and I appreciate the cooperative efforts with the state and the county. But I was looking at some of these um, projects that were recently completed. Uh, I jotted down, it was probably about 15 miles worth of roadway. We have 600 miles, I think, our network, our transportation right, yeah. network. And um, we have about, our road fee is, what, $56.40 raises about $3 million. Uh, uh, you do a heck of a lot with what you have, and, and it's appreciated. Um, how, how many more miles of road, if we took care of 15 miles of this segment, how many other roads, an estimate, a guesstimate of any type of how many more miles of roadway need this type of a seal overlay and so forth? Do you have a guess? Is it 100? Is it 200? You know, our backlog is around 100 million, and how that equates into roadways, because they all have different widths and different kind of characteristics, it's hard to say, but what, what I think we all agree on, and uh, kind of look back to John for this, is we should be doing about 50 to 60 miles a year of resurfacing. If we want to keep up with the deterioration of the, of the existing infrastructure out there, we should be doing a heck of a lot more than 15. We should be doing about 50, and that would be a healthy pavement management program, 40 to 60 miles a year of resurfacing, and you know, the resurfacing techniques are much more cost-effective if you catch these roads before they get so bad. You know, That's we have to reconstruct them. So. Yeah, the uh, cracks in the roads are something that are bothersome now, but they become slip-outs, as we've seen some examples here, and then it's really a, an expensive endeavor. But uh, um, I think we, the general public needs to know that we need to pay a lot more attention. Uh, I don't know if we can count on the state to do it, feds either about their map 21 and what they're due to extend it and put a, an escalator clause in. Um, these are all going to be important issues and I think that uh, we as a commission, as a county, should uh, try to organize our efforts as best we can with state and federal officials to see how we can pressure them to uh, commit more financial resources to the transportation network and roads. Um, and as the uh, representative of CSAC on the county board, I would be glad to take forward anything that we might put together if we can identify it as such. It would be really important. And I know everybody else, uh, the 58 counties, feel the same way. So, again, thank you for your efforts. Any other questions? Uh, I, I'll just add my uh, appreciation for the work uh, that's being done on, on the roads. Uh, the roads that you've shown that are in the first districts are, are clearly in need, and this will go a long way. Um, I also appreciate that the County Public Works was the first public works department to install a green bike lane through the village of Soquel. Uh, it's really going to help out and uh, um, it really helps if we want to encourage people to use uh, bicycles as, uh, as a way to get around and get out of their car. We have to make sure it's safe. So I appreciate the work that the staff did to make that happen. Mm -hmm.
Is there anyone from the public who would like to uh, address Mr. Wiesner? Seeing none, thank you very much for your work. Thank you very much for your support. We'll move now to item 19, which is the mural for the railroad bridge abutment in Capitola. Mr. Mendez, good morning. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, I have a combination of analog and digital at my presentation, so we'll see which one works best. So, um, it looks like the visual is working okay. Great. Um, well, as, as you know, the Regional Transportation Commission purchased the Santa Cruz Branch Rail Line a couple of years ago. It's been challenging to uh, manage the various uh, needs uh, of the property. And one of those challenges is in keeping, keeping it free from graffiti and, and, and trash and uh, controlling vegetation. But the Commission has been able to work with various uh, agencies uh, and volunteers and so on, et cetera, to address some of those. And at your November meeting, Commission approved a mural for a uh, bridge abutment in Aptos. At this meeting, uh, the city of Capitola is requesting approval for doing uh, the same thing basically on, uh, on a different bridge. It would be the uh, west abutment uh, wall uh, on the uh, concrete bridge over Wharf Road. And the city of Capitola already at its, uh, uh, its city council meeting on November 13th approved a, uh, a design for that, which is uh, on the screen right now, and you're seeing it. There's also here a nice uh, cardstock, uh, larger view of that design that will be passed, or passed around so you can take a look at it uh, more closely. And this is uh, designed to be a continuation of an existing um, mural that's already on Wolf Road, probably about 100 uh, feet or so uh, on a retaining wall. Um, I don't know if um, commissioners are familiar with the, with the location of Wharf Road. Uh, it's the one that comes into the uh, Capitola uh, Wharf there. Um, so this, and as you know, murals um, do a very good job of um, keeping graffiti at bay. The uh, City of Capitola Art and Cultural, Cultural Commission also approved the design of the mural, and the artist that will be doing this mural uh, is the same artist who did the. Uh, the other mural that's up on the little ways up on Wharf Road. Uh, Councilman uh, Michael Kennedy is uh, is here and would be able to address any questions that you may have about the, about the mural. Uh, and with that, staff recommends that the commission approve uh, the painting of this mural for the city capital. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mendez. Other questions, Mr. Norton. Mike, thank you for joining us. Mark Tremini, uh, City Councilman Capitola, thank you for joining us. Uh, Chair of the Art and Cultural Commission. That's Chair right, Art and Cultural Yes, I had you wearing. Music Master of Capitola. Yes. Um, the, uh, uh, noticing the, the window in the wall, um, it's facing, it's showing uh, Zach Friend's district. It, if it waits facing, shouldn't it show John Leopold's district? <laughs> <laughs> that particular view wasn't as picturesque as the one for Zach Friend, no offense. If we faced it slightly to the north, it probably would have looked really great, and it is part of John's district, but Zach lobbied us heavily to show his district. So could we show Zach in the background on the beach there? This is just a representation. Zach might make it into this mural. Thank you. You're young, but you're not that young. 
Are there any other questions? Is there any other member of the public who would like to address us? I'll bring it back to the Commission for Action. Seconded by Bustici, seconded by Robinson. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you for the work. Uh, it's going to be beautiful whichever district you're in. Uh, next we'll move on to item 20, which is our unified corridors plan. Good morning, Ms. Blakesley. Good morning, Commissioners. Grace Blakesley of your staff. This morning I'm here today to provide information to you about the unified corridors planning effort. The purpose of the unified corridors plan, including both phase one and phase two, is to identify transportation improvements uh, that optimize usage of the three parallel primary north-south transportation corridors in Santa Cruz County. Of course, this is Highway 1, Soquel Drive Avenue, and the newly acquired Santa Cruz Branch Rail Line. The, three, the Unified Corridors Plan involves analyzing the impacts of multimodal transportation projects on these corridors and some of the primary local connections between them. So when I'm talking about optimizing usage, I'm really referring to the number of individuals traveling through these corridors during any particular time using all modes, vehicles, transit, bicycle, walking. It may be helpful to think about the three corridors working together as one and the distribution of individuals along any one of these corridors traveling north and south. So we want to be able to answer the question what operational and management strategies and new investments can be effective in servicing more people who are not serviced by the corridor because of congestion, lack of facilities, or operational needs. A key outcome of this planning effort is to provide the public and decision makers with information about how the large and the small transportation investments that come to this commission can optimize that usage. While well, studies by corridor have been completed, this is the first time a study will focus on the interaction between future investments on these corridors. <clears throat> How can some investments on one corridor work together with investments on parallel corridors to improve that overall circulation of our local transportation network? The 2014 Regional Transportation Plan is expected to provide the starting point for the Unified Corridors Plan. And there's two key reasons for this. The 24 Regional Transportation Plan, which this commission approved in June of last year, was extensively vetted by the public. The project list is also financially constrained, and there was a lot of dialogue around the approval of the project list. We think that makes it a really good starting point. Different from the 2014 Regional Transportation Plan, the Unified Corridors Plan is analyzing the three routes that I've defined um, it will, it's intended to cover a shorter time period, and it's expected to look at some of the smaller projects that are also included in the Regional Transportation Plan in greater detail. Phase one of the Unified Corridors Plan includes development of a multimodal countywide transportation modeling tools. Um, the countywide modeling tools will allow for some of that detailed analysis of project impacts on local roadways as well as allow RTC to test some of the sustainable policies that were adopted in the Regional Transportation Plan and how they make progress within these corridors towards some of those targets that the community endorsed. The RTC, of course, is responsible for distributing funding to both large and smaller projects. 
So we know that not just individually, but collectively, these projects have an impact on local, local circulation and sustainable transportation goals. So the modeling tools and the scale of those modeling tools is really important for providing information into this decision-making process. The transportation modeling tools that will be developed as part of phase one will cover the entire county. They're not limited just to the unified corridors plan area, which is mostly the urban area of the, of the county. And they will also, the modeling tools will also integrate with neighboring county models as well as with the AMBEG regional three county transportation modeling tool. The useful functions of these modeling tools developed under this project go beyond the unified corridors plan itself. The county of um, Santa Cruz planning staff as well as Caltrans will participate as partner agencies given its application to their future and existing uh, planning efforts under their jurisdiction. Other local jurisdictions have also provided input into how the modeling, excuse me, how the modeling tools may be useful for both analysis of future transportation and land use project impacts on the local roadways in their area. In speaking with the local jurisdiction, we've also found that the modeling tools will serve the RTC and local jurisdictions in preparing competitive grants. What we're seeing right now is grant opportunities, including the STIP funding, are relying more and more on performance measurement. Another um, recent example is the active transportation program and the competitive cycle that was just completed and the next cycle that's coming up, which is highly focused on data and information. In addition, new requirements that are being addressed um, through the implementation of SB 743, which require new data from local jurisdictions, some of that information could be re uh, provided through these modeling tools. AMBEG is a very important partner in the development of these modeling tools. Um, AMBEG staff has provided input on the scope of services and has been supportive of our efforts so far. In addition to development of the modeling tools, which is the, the primary part of phase one, but in addition to that, there is a public engagement process to help us better understand the public's perception and the use of these corridors and what improvements the public like to see prioritized in the shorter term. So development of the tools itself in terms of thinking of next steps will be a coordinated effort between the County of Santa Cruz, between Caltrans, and RTC staff and a contracted consultant. Like I mentioned, other jurisdictions have also provided input either through individual meetings with them or as part of our project team, and we're expected to provide information at key junctures. The total project cost for phase one of this effort is $350,000. The grant award from Caltrans is $211,000. The County of Santa Cruz Planning Department has indicated its intent to contribute $100,000 towards the consultant expenses for development of the countywide transportation model. And RTC staff will provide the remaining match of $39,000 as was approved in the original grant proposal. RTC staff expects to um, seek additional funding for phase two of this project. Um, phase two will utilize the tools developed in phase one to analyze the priority investments. Phase one of the project is expected to be completed in September of this year, 2015, 
and a more detailed schedule providing some of the key milestones is on page three of your staff report. On November 24th, staff released a request for proposals for consultant services, and proposals are due on January 8th. And the scope of services is specifically for development of the modeling tools. Today, RTC staff is recommending that the RTC authorize the executive director to enter into a memorandum of understanding with the County of Santa Cruz for development of the countywide transportation modeling tools. The Memorandum of Understanding will establish the roles, responsibility, and funding associated with the procurement and oversight of services for the modeling tool specifically. The County Board of Supervisors are expected to, are scheduled to consider entering into the same memorandum with the RTC at their December 9th meeting next Tuesday. That concludes my staff report. Uh, thank you. Are there questions? Mr. Johnson. Um, when you talk about a consultant, uh, help me understand the responsibilities that such a consultant would have, what the cost, or approximate cost would be. Okay, the consultant services that I've described are specifically for developing the modeling tools for the technical assistance that would be required. What's been budgeted as part of the grant for those services is $250,000. We'll review the cost of those services not to exceed 250000 when the proposals are received and evaluated. So you're saying that a consultant to, to kind of uh, frame this report is going to charge $250,000? It's actually for the technical services. So for framing the report, I would think of um, what the report's going to look like. And what we're looking for from a consultant is to deliver specific outcomes. So actually develop the specific technical tools for modeling some of these types of projects. This might be one large model or it might be a suite of tools. We've really seen different examples that are out there. Um, it's expected that they would use some type of software that's been already developed, but we're also seeing that those things are changing very rapidly right now given the high emphasis on performance measurements. Okay. Um, in the background section on page 20.1, it reads, the Unified Corridor Plan will build on Caltrans Corridor System Management Plan, the RTC Highway 1 Corridor Investment Program, Environmental analyst, Analysis, I should say, the 2014 Regional Transportation Plan, RTP, the Sustainable Santa Cruz County Plan, the Rail Passenger Study, and the Caltrans Smart Mobility Framework. So my first impression here is that if you took all the executive summaries of all those plans, kind of culled through what was reasonable, what was pertinent, and so forth, you wouldn't have to waste your money on a $250,000 consultant. I think this is a, a colossal waste of money. Mm -hmm. Just another plan to kind of uh, sit on a shelf somewhere, because you know, you're talking about a Santa Cruz branch rail line that, you know, it's been planned for, but it hasn't been cemented in terms of moving forward particularly. And we're still analyzing that plan, correct? Are we analyzing the, the basic uh, uh, ability for, for a branch rail line to move forward? The Santa Cruz passenger rail study is underway. Right. So it's kind of putting the car before the iron horse, if you will. You know, I mean, we're, we're just, we're just, this is going to be, an, I, in my mind, it's going to be another study which people come forward, you have a public outreach, you, you, you hire some expensive consultant, 
and then you come up with, with uh, you know, types of modalities that uh, may work, may not work, but it'll kind of sit on the shelf somewhere, and we won't have the money to do it, anything with it. So that's how I feel. Thank you for sharing. Any other questions? Uh, Mr. Dondero. Uh, I'd like to address that. Uh, oh, if I could just... Um, yeah, we, uh, the AB 32 and uh, sustainability... Uh, yeah, SB 375, too, yeah, sustainability. Uh, those are new factors. Do you see anything that's new coming, uh, maybe that was just approved by the last session of the legislature, that's going to be additional that we're going to have to, you know, enter into uh, the study three years from now? Is there anything on the horizon that you see that we're missing if we're doing this? It looks like we have all the bases covered, but I just don't... Uh, if we're going to do this and, and have all these factors entered into it, is there anything that's out there that you see that we're going to have to address in two or three years? Well, I think you make some really good points, and a piece of that is the importance of us integrating this well with the AMBEG larger three-county model. AMBEG is responsible for the Sustainable Community Strategy and SB 375, and had to face a lot of new challenges, which they did very well in the development of the first Sustainable Community Strategy. I think there's a lot to be learned from them. In terms of up and coming, I think in the shorter term, the SB 743, which requires the Office of Planning and Research to change the metrics used for tra transportation analysis under CEQA, is the most immediate need. Um, right now, it's looking like vehicle miles traveled may be that measure. Um, and in the past, for a long period of time, local jurisdictions for both transportation and land use projects have used level of service. So that is a huge change, and it's something we've spoken the local jurisdictions about as a group and individually to see their needs. Um, in terms of projecting and potential um, future legislation, if I could give my projection, I think that it's possible the role of um, climate adaptation, not climate adaptation, the caps that are climate, um, excuse me, I can't think of, basically addressing climate on the local jurisdiction level, each of the counties and local jurisdiction have these quote climate plans in their climate action plans, excuse me, climate action plans, they have those in their local jurisdictions. If you look at them right now, it's been difficult for them to quantify how some of the transportation strategies that they've included really do address the climate goals at the state level, and I see this as can, can serve as a really important tool in the next round of climate action plans. Um, Mr. Dondero, oh, why don't you go first, uh, uh, Mr. Dondero, and then Mr. Prestige. Well, I, I would just like to offer a little different perspective. And first, uh, to answer that last question about looking forward, I think there's another issue um, that uh, Grace may not be aware of, but uh, Heather's here in the audience, and maybe she can back me up. But we know that the uh, State Air Resources Board has been uh, having discussion with our MPOs about. Uh, revisiting the targets for greenhouse gas reductions. And um, that was a very contentious process the first time around, and that was done a couple of years ago. And uh, it's, um, I, I think there's some nervousness in the transportation community right now about having to go back through that process because we suspect that what's likely to happen is that the resource board will want to see uh, more aggressive targets set and um, that means that we have to be able to measure our progress and show how we are 
um, you know, moving forward to, to reduce those emissions. So we are, uh, by uh, having this model, we will be much better equipped to measure what we're doing. Um, we had a, a, we struggled very um, uh, greatly during the update of the regional plan to, to show how, to demonstrate how we were going to meet those targets because we did not have the tools. Um, the, the AMBAG model is great for what it does, but it's a regional model. It's sort of the 50,000 foot view of major flows through, through the region. But when it gets down to the block level or the, even the neighborhood level, um, which is the kind of planning work that Grace is proposing here, um, we don't have the tools to, to make those measurements. And having this model, this is not just a one-time study. It's, it is a tool that we will be able to use on an ongoing basis as long as we keep it up to date, update the land use um, uh, data that uh, and changes in land use across the county, um, we'll be able to continually use it. And not only will RTC use it, but the county wants to use it. And um, I expect the cities will want to use it uh, from time to time. You can use this for, for many different ways. But I'd also like to point out that it makes us much more competitive, uh, and Grace mentioned this in, in her talk, um, to apply for other grants, both small and larger grants. Uh, and one example would be um, uh, for a, a FTA small starts for, uh, grant for the rail line. Uh, they want significant, they want very quantifiable data uh, provided uh, if you're going to apply for a um, significant amount of money to, to start a rail program. So that's just one example, um, and there's many others. Um, I think it will put us in a more competitive position in the future. Um, it also will be more informed. We can um, tell a, a clearer story, um, both to ourselves but also to the public, to show them how we are actually implementing our regional plan and meeting some of those policy goals that we worked hard to put into place. Um, so uh, that, 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 that's all I had to say, but thank you. And I also wanted to thank Grace for her hard work on this. This project has evolved and we went through about three iterations uh, working with Caltrans to get it right so that we could get this funded. And we knew we couldn't fund it uh, independently. We needed the grant to help, and we really appreciate uh, the county planning director's cooperation on this. Ms. Prevacish has been very helpful, and we know that the county will get some benefits from the use of this model as well. So um, thanks to everybody. Mr. Pastici. Um Yeah, I couple questions. I, I see that the branch rail line is, you know, mentioned in here several times. And, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the branch rail line provides zero transportation for the county of Santa Cruz right now, but Santa Cruz Metro provides a great deal of it. And it's not mentioned once in this document. It's not a partner in this document. It's not talk, talked about BRT or electric buses or any of the things that transportation corridors that, that Metro could do in these transportation corridors that we have. So I'm, I'm a little uh, concerned that, that one of our biggest partners and the one, the one group that actually does provide transportation in this county is not mentioned once, is not involved in this, is not a partner in this. So maybe someone could explain to me why that is. Um, I'd like to um, thank you, Commissioner Bustici. Actually, we have spoken with Metro on a number of occasions, and I'm sorry that it did not come through um, stronger in the staff report. 
transit is a huge piece of the transportation both on Highway 1 and SoCal currently, and that will be, be expected to be one of the priority uses that the public and the commission would like us to analyze on those corridors. Um, in terms of the Santa Cruz branch rail line, the actual analysis of the transportation um, investments or the bundles of transportation investments will happen in phase two of the project, which will start once the passenger rail study is completed. So we will have some more information about the commission's direction and what's appropriate um, for transportation use, transit uses on the um, Santa Cruz branch rail line. Um, rest assured that the Metro has been consulted and they're a strong partner. They're very interested in being able to have more information about um, demand at tra stations, transit stations. So right now, the modeling capabilities for transit, particularly along SoCal Corridor, is very limited when you look at it on a station-by-station -station level. And if you might recall, in the Santa Cruz County um, planning effort, what's now called Sustainable Santa Cruz County began, it was called a transit corridor plan. And one of the challenges that they faced was the limited transit data and, and, and tools for analyzing transit on a station-by-station -station level on SoCal Corridor and its other links. And that is one of the primary purposes of this analysis, and they are certainly included in strong partners. And, and that, that may be so, but Again, they're not mentioned once in this report. They're not a partner in this report, but but the rail line is mentioned in this report, and, and it currently provides absolutely nothing for us. And, and even if it were to in the future, it's in the, probably the distant future. So I, it seems like we need to be, Metro needs to be a partner in this, and we're not. And, and I'm sure that, that George and Alex have talked about this, but I know the board at Metro hasn't talked about so I, I've got concerns that this is, you know, more a document to try to find ways to show that the rail line makes sense while not looking at the other things that I think makes more sense or at least makes some sense in this order, whether that's BRT, electric buses, and other uh, forms of transportation that Santa Cruz Metro could provide very quickly at, at a, you know, um, probably at a, at a reduced cost. So, so. Um, I can't support it in its current form because, in my view, San Cruz Metro should be appropriate. I think maybe one a solution to that, which would be very helpful, is to um, we have met with the staff, but we have there hasn't been a presentation to your board. Um, as we move along, one of the key questions will be what types of transit investments should we be looking at? There's over five or about 500 projects, many of them transit in the regional transportation plan. So we did meet with um, transit. Metro staff and said, what are some of the priority investments are most feasible in your mind that you'd like us to prioritize? And maybe that's shown when at the time, right time should be taken um, to the board to really ask for the Metro board's input. So that might be one way to address some of those concerns. Well, that may address others. It doesn't address others. Uh, Ms. Robinson. Yeah, I do. Um, I wondered about that myself because Honestly, the one thing in um, reading through this, I still had a, a, a still a little vague for me exactly what we were talking about. Where like where's the beginning and where's the end? Is this countywide in terms of this whole quarter concept? So you could share a little bit about that. But do you feel like um, I mean I'm a representative of Metro as well, and you know through that in the back of my mind more that not as not as much in the forefront as. Um, but it's, it, is a fair, it is a fair criticism to have in terms of what's before us now. Do you see a remedy 
now for this? I mean, it sounds as though there's conversations that have had, but it didn't make it in the staff report. I don't know that, you know, because I, I want to see us going forward that that is really much more robust. Um, I can support this if I know that that's a fact, but it's also, because really, when you look at it right now, you're in this so-called admiral, admiral corridor. Like, I, I would say this project, the transit is a critical partner. And, um, what we're talking about right now is specifically, just that maybe this will help understand on the staff report level, is we're talking about phase one, which is development of the modeling tools. And one specific component of those modeling tools is the transit analysis. We have asked for Metro's input on what are some of their primary data needs. Um, so that's really the specific phase of the project that we're in. Phase two of the project will be an, another step in engaging the public and engaging the project team. Metro is a part of the project team and they did attend our project team meeting on November 4th. So it might be helpful to understand it in the phased approach in terms of what tools can serve Metro to better analyze their ridership and address the goals in their short-range transit plan and future goals. And then what are some of the priority projects that they'd like to see analyzed would be in the next step. So um, I feel like those are both opportunities that we have and that we are really taking advantage of our strong partnership with Metro staff at this time. So I think what needs to be a turnaround is that then this is something that's addressed at the Metro board as well. It does say in our staff report that the first project team meeting was happening on November 4th, that Metro was part of that, yeah. that they, they did discuss it, and we're not asking any money from Metro, is that correct? Correct. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm very aware of that. And when we look at this, the, the program for this corridor itself... Um, I'm sorry, I didn't answer that question. Um, attachment 2 does have a map of the plan area. Um, it's the area where the three corridors are parallel, and that's the area we expect to specifically analyze in this study. We have had some comments from um, Caltrans that we may wish to extend the corridor more to the Freedom Boulevard area. That was something that we would definitely um, consider, and Metro has been going to look at the project area as well. And then when would that kind of, if there was to be something that got altered that way, at what stage does that happen? Right now, and on the staff level, we are expecting to pursue funding for Phase 2 beginning in the next round of Caltrans planning grant cycle. Um, that would just be to apply for the Phase 2 funding, which, um, if it's the same schedule as last year, would be a fall of this year, um, assuming that we still have support from Caltrans to, or encouragement from Caltrans to apply next fall. Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the executive director alluded to the fact of your hard work. I appreciate that. Um, I think the RTC has one of the most talented staffs uh, anywhere. Um, and when you when you examine the years of experience that you have uh, and all the types of, of projects that you have encountered, doesn't that obviate the need for having a consultant that's going to cost two hundred fifty thousand? What do they bring that you all don't have? Um, that's really a good point. I, I see this as one of the most important projects that the RTC has an opportunity to take a leadership on. And the reason being is it's not one specific plan or project. The tools that are developed in this project benefit not only the RTC, but every one of the local jurisdictions and the county. And it's been exemplified in our partnership that we've developed with the county over the year. So this is really a resource that is greatly needed. We've seen the need for this resource come up in various planning efforts over the year, that it can strengthen the information 
information that we provide to you as staff and strengthen the information that we provide to the public. So I, I on a staff level, I, I feel like this is a really important measure based on my experience and other projects I've worked on here. Great. Could I, could I, could I take a crack at that? I, I, yeah, I, I think the question is why why don't we have the staff um, capability to develop the model in house? Is that is that would that be fair? Okay. Um, and I wish I wish we did have a modeler in house, uh, Commissioner Johnson, um, but we don't, and we probably won't for a long time. Ambag does have a full time modeler who maintains the um, the regional model. Um, for an agency our size to have a full time modeler is just outside of our scope, generally speaking. Um, it, it's a very very uh, sophisticated uh, set of knowledge that modelers have. It's a specialization within transportation, um, and it's, uh, for lack of a better word, it's a bit geeky. Um, it, it gets into really really intense use of uh, computer um, um, data. data. Yeah, lots of data, handling lots of data, making lots of assumptions, recording those assumptions, testing them. And, and trying basically to represent what people's behavior is like out there on the roadways and on, the, on our networks. Um, it, it's, it's something that typically is farmed out to a, a uh, consultant to, to do that work. And I wish we didn't have to spend the money this way, but uh, the fact that we were able to get a grant uh, to do it, actually two grants, one from the county and, and then one from Caltrans, um, it really is, having good modeling tools is really the foundation of good transportation planning. And it's kind of invisible to most of us because we don't really see it, but it, it's what drives everything else that comes through our regional plan and, and helps us make decisions about the future. And uh, because it's so specialized, um, you have to go to the qualified people to do it. Well, that kind of begs the question in terms of, okay, you, you want to have an effective modeler. Right. Somebody can take data, but it seems to me that particularly with the branch rail line and some of these other things, the data that is input is to be so speculative that at the end of the day you're left with you know different parameters uh, that may be meaningful and may not be meaningful. And that kind of goes to the heart of what my um, I guess objections are: is that that again you're going to be left with a document that the data that has been inputted is going is going to be um, kind of mushy, and, and and we're talking about three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So that's just my opinion. Uh, Mr. Norton, um, I'm going to come to the staff's defense a little bit here, please. Thank you. Um, first of all, Metro is mentioned in this report, and it was involved in the first meeting that happened here. Um, the second thing is, is that two we're talking about the three east, west, or north, south, wherever you want to call them corridors, and two of those three benefit everyone, including Metro. And so discussions, and, and, and if you look at what our discussion is as this commission, 80% of our discussion is about these three corridors. To have some kind of tie between the three, and to have a co cohesive long-term plan for the three corridors um, is important to us. And there is no other There is no other fourth corridor. The only other fourth corridor is driving through neighborhoods. And that's exactly what we're trying to, to, to keep people from doing. So, yes, uh, the rail corridor is not important at this time, but it is an east-west corridor as the only third one we have. And so it needs to be part of this process. And so I, I you know, I, I support this this, um, this report, and uh, I'll make a motion to approve it. Uh, why don't we 
why don't we go out to the public first before we do a motion, if, you, if that's okay. Are there other questions? Are there members of the public who would like to address us? Come forward. Good morning, Mr. Nelson. Thank you. I'm Jack Nelson. Uh, this is fascinating to me. And um, I'm thinking about the saying, to get a better answer, ask a better question. And I, I see this um, unified corridors uh, plan with uh, the proposal for modeling as an effort to ask a better question. The old question might have been, how can we move more cars? And when I, when I look at this map of this plan area, I, I see three corridors that interact with each other. Um, I have to disagree with um, Commissioner Norton that there are more corridors than this. For instance, I believe it's in January, February, the uh, Broadway Bomber um, bike pedestrian connection will exist in Arana Gulch. Um, I know from my bike riding along with the bike lane on Broadway, the bike lane on Romer, I'll have a pretty happy corridor ride out to uh, my shopping on 41st Avenue when I want to go there. So, so there are some other kinds of smaller filtering effects in here. But, but yes, these are the three big hitters. Um, I see one of these on which I can presently walk or ride a bike. And uh, I see another one with a lot of potential for that. Now, speaking of modeling, uh, a few years ago, I was very interested in uh, AMBAG's uh, regional travel demand model and spoke with uh, Mr. Bhupendra Patel, who is AMBAG's modeler, about uh, can this model um, predict induced travel? When, when you uh, build more um, vehicle capacity, what happens with the induced travel or the generated traffic that results from that? And uh, Mr. Patel told me that at that point in time, a few years ago, uh, these models are rather poor at, at estimating that future induced travel. So that, that's a real question mark for me, is uh, with this modeling, uh, how, how do you uh, drill into that question? Because that, that's just really important. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that a, a more fine-grained model that looks at our local situation will be able to take into account um, people who are making choices between different modes and not, not just, you know, how do we how do we move the cars around. So, um, I also think it could be important to have um, uh, citizen input on this, because uh, I'm, I'm reading uh, statements here that this um, uh, project committee, looks like I didn't bring the sheet up here, uh, has met and talked about key possible projects and so forth and, and so I'm, I'm feeling a little bit in the dark about what those might be. But overall, um, this to me sounds like something with the prospect for um, intelligent planning and asking better questions to get better answers. Thanks. Thank you. I see a representative from AMBED. Good morning. I just, my name is Heather Adams, I'm the principal planner at AMBAG. I just want to speak towards what George had said about the purpose of a regional model. Uh, AMBAG does uh, own and operate the regional model. Um, we do have a full-time modeler, a modeler uh, as Dr. Bupendra um, uh, Patel, who does do that ongoing uh, each year. As we go through the updates, however, we do hire a consultant to help us refine, make updates, build new components. 
uh, for the model as we move forward. Uh, this is a very common practice throughout uh, the state and the country. Uh, many even of the larger MPOs who have multiple uh, previous agency, I came for in, in San Diego, we had like six modelers, but we still hired a consultant to help us build the model uh, tool itself, whether it's a TransCAD, TransPlan, whatever the tool is, we, there is a very specialized um, uh, profession that does build models, turns it over to the agency to then run them and, and use them to churn out whether it's performance metrics, data to go after additional grant applications. It's also very common um, for multi-county regions such as ours um, to have uh, county level models at the RTPA or commission level. Uh, this is very common in LA, Sacramento, and of course in the Bay Area that looks at each of the projects at the jurisdiction or current uh, community or even county level. And so that is something that if this does move forward, information and data that does come out of the work that the RTC does with the county and its jurisdictions will then be fed into the larger regional model which has a, a different purpose to it that looks at uh, things more towards the federal level and then implementing the sustainable community strategy. Um, I also want to point out, as George mentioned, um, the State Air Rears Resources Board is looking at updating targets and so additional information on how we measure uh, projects and monitoring how they're implementing uh, and helping us reduce greenhouse gases is definitely another tool that we can use additional data and, and, and analysis for. We can also use this um, as we go after new funding sources. The cap and trade dollars are in their first year. Um, we expect call for projects to go out next year. They're going to require a, a very heavy lift in terms of the grant applications and anything that we can tell them that in terms of measurement and how this will benefit transportation, air quality, greenhouse gases is really useful in bringing those additional discretionary grant dollars to uh, the County of Santa Cruz as well as Monterey and San Benito. So I just want to add that clarification that what is being proposed here is very common throughout the state and um, the country in terms of developing a region or a, a moving from a regional-wide model that serves a number of purposes, but also looking at something at the county-wide level. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to address this? Seeing none, I'll bring it back to the commission. Mr. Norton? Um, um... I'll move staff recommendations. Motion by uh, Norton, seconded by Montesino. Uh, I'll just say that uh, uh, I look forward to this uh, unified corridors plan. Uh, you know, it, it's been pointed out that we don't want a study that's going to sit on the shelf. Uh, but as I look at the, the corridors plan building on these existing plans, the ones that I know about, the, uh, the Highway 1 environmental analysis, obviously, that's uh, active and dynamic, and we use that, that work uh, to build the auxiliary lanes. The regional transportation plan has uh, had not only helped us define and, and uh, assess uh, some metrics and um, define what we think the future is going to look like, but it has helped us engage in a community discussion about a possible funding measure that will be in the community. And I know that the sustainable Santa Cruz County plan, uh, that is an active and dynamic document uh, in which our county is, is working towards uh, changes in our land use policies to be able to support more transit-oriented uh, development along our transit corridors. And the rail passenger study, while not complete, clearly shows that, uh, that lots of people are interested in engaged in discussion by the nearly 2,000 people that participated in the survey and the hundreds of people that came out to the community meetings. So to me, these are active and dynamic plans. 
this modeling uh, information will be useful for us to build on those active uh, plans uh, to make sure that we're making the right uh, decisions in the future. So I thank you for the work. Uh, with that, I'll call the question. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Is that both members from Scotts Valley? Uh, no. He's from Scotts Valley, but he's representing the Metro. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Uh, next, we'll move on to item number 21, which is a Santa Cruz Branch Rail Line Bridge Rehabilitation Project. Mr. Mendez. With the purchase of the Santa Cruz Branch Rail Line in 2012, the uh, Commission committed to uh, spending at least $5 million to rehabilitate uh, uh, components of the, uh, the property to focus on the structures. And as a result, the Transportation Commission did award a, a contract to Stacey and Whitbeck in August of 2013 for $4.2 million to, uh, to do that work. And the vast majority of that contract is for the Lasello Bridge, which is almost a complete reconstruction of that bridge. In 2012, the RTC did approve a uh, contract, contract change order procedure for construction projects, and that procedure includes the appointment of an ad hoc committee for certain change orders. There hasn't been one appointed for the uh, rail line um, bridge rehabilitation project because there has not been a need up to this point. Um, but um, now the uh, construction managers and staff are, are looking at uh, potential contract change orders and there may be a need to have an, an ad hoc committee. The contract change order procedure of the RTC states that any contract change orders that have a value of uh, up to $50,000, the executive director can approve those. Those that are between $50,000 and $100,000, the executive director can approve them with consultation with the chair. For any that are greater, uh, they would have to be consulted with the uh, uh, contract change order ad hoc committee, and that ad hoc committee can either uh, make a determination or forward it to the commission for, for a decision. Uh, up to now, there's only one contract change order that uh, the construction manager and RTC staff have, have agreed to with the contractor. It's a no cost change order for, for an extension that uh, um, was agreed to. Um, so at, at this point, because of potential additional change orders, staff does recommend that uh, commissioners do communicate to the RTC chair their interest in serving on such an, an ad hoc committee. Uh, I think it, uh, the procedure does state that, it would, that the ad hoc committee would be composed of the RTC chair and four members appointed by the chair. So uh, please uh, communicate your your, desire, your desires or interests to be part of that, uh, that committee so it can be appointed. Also, in the past, the Commission has approved temporary borrowing uh, for cash management purposes for payment of large uh, invoices uh, uh, from the Regional Surface Transportation Program Exchange Funds. This was done for the uh, Highway 1 Auxiliary Lanes uh, uh, construction project. 
And now as we're getting larger invoices on the railroad bridge rehabilitation project, it's become necessary to do the same for that project because all of the funds that are available for the project are, not, are on a reimbursement basis. So RTC must spend the funds first and then get reimbursed uh, from Caltrans. Actually, on the Highway Zillowings project, it was never necessary to borrow uh, uh, funds because uh, Caltrans did provide some upfront uh, funds, but they came from a different program that has not been available to the railroad uh, bridge rehabilitation project. So staff does recommend that the RTC approve temporary borrowing from the RSDP exchange fund to pay invoices associated with the uh, railroad bridge uh, construction project. And this option, is, this option is only available to projects that would qualify under that funding source, and this project and the expenditures uh, associated with it would qualify, so, so it is available for the RTC to do that. Uh, the contract for the construction does specify that the contractor is responsible for securing uh, permits. Uh, the contractor uh, has stated that it took them a longer period of time and effort and expense and so on to secure those permits and has um, um, indicated that the RTC should pay the cost of that or at least some of the cost. Uh, they have submitted one claim to that effect which has, which has been denied. Uh, and the contractor has secured all the necessary permits for three bridges and the work is currently underway on those bridges. There is one bridge. Um, where the last uh, uh, permit is, is close to being being secured, but uh, not yet. Um, and also, as the uh, construction bids were, were put together for this work, it was anticipated that the rail on those bridges would be used, would continue to be used, and replacement of the rail was not a, a component of, of that work. However, now with the new bridge at La Selva, due to the tremendous mismatch in, in life of the, uh, uh, of the rail to the, to the bridge, uh, in, and to avoid the, the need to return to do some work on, on that bridge uh, uh, somewhat soon, and then to take advantage of an opportunity to actually purchase some rail at a good price, our uh, staff uh, has opted to, to purchase some rail from uh, BTA, the Transportation Authority for the uh, Silicon uh, Valley in San Clara County, uh, they have some used rail that uh, uh, they don't need and have agreed to sell up to uh, close to 1,000 feet, up to 950 feet to the RTC. Um, originally they asked for $730 per ton for that rail and uh, research showed that typically the Cost ranging between 750 and 900, so it is a little uh, you know, the low side of the range. But our RTC staff was able to convince them to sell it to the RTC at $600 per ton. So um, the total cost for that would be about $11,000. So it's uh, and the RTC is getting a, a decent rail for uh, for a good price. And that um, and of course RTC staff is not um, an expert on the condition of rail. So uh, we did use. Um, resources from Iowa Pacific to go and inspect uh, the rail, make sure that there was an you know, adequate and usable rail for the uh, uh, for the use here on the rail line. So that, that'll, that rail will be used on the Los Bridge and also uh, on the uh, bridge replacement at uh, Wilder Creek uh, because that, that was burned and, and it damaged the, the rail as the, uh, when, the, when the bridge was burned. So now I just want to show you a few slides of uh, some of the work that's been going on here. In the first slide, you see um, you know, the Little Selva Bridge. 
uh, being constructed. I think a significant portion of that already done in, in this photograph uh, with a very large crane. Uh, that crane is currently gone because this work has been has been completed. Uh, here is a um, uh, one of the, the uh, girder assemblies that uh, came in by truck. This girder assembly is 60 feet long. Uh, that's why you see it overhangs from, from the truck. And I was picked up by the crane and placed up on the, on the bridge. Um, and so now you see that basically the southern uh, portion of the bridge fully completed. And that's what that large crane was, was hired to do. And, and since that's done, that crane is now uh, moved out. And there's a smaller crane now in the northern portion that's uh, finishing up the construction of that bridge. Uh, the next uh, slide here is for the timber bridge at uh, near Hidden Beach. Uh, it's along Sumner Avenue, uh, the next, next, next to Sumner Avenue. And uh, this bridge will have a replacement of uh, uh, some piles and also replacement of a lot of uh, bracing. Uh, and so this is the, the beginning stages of the, of the work on, on that bridge. Next uh, is uh, the bridge in like, Wilder uh, Ranch. It's a small bridge that is above a, a drainage uh, tunnel um, for Wilder Creek. So it, isn't, it actually isn't the waterway for Wilder Creek, because as you see in this photo, that this is the northern entrance of the, uh, the actual tunnel for Wilder Creek. And at this time, it was dry. But now I'm sure it's got some water in it. So that's good. I'm glad that we got some rain. Uh, this is the southern uh, end of, of that tunnel. Uh, and so because where the bridge burned it, where Wilder Creek isn't actually the waterway of that, uh, of that creek, uh, the work changed uh, because the, the bridge burned as the uh, commission went out to obtain bids for this work. So the work changed from, from uh, rehabilitation of some components of the bridge to replacement of the bridge uh, as a light uh, bridge and then into a culvert and fill, uh, because, it, again, it's not a waterway. So it's a culvert still being placed there, uh, just sort of a, uh, a check valve, in a sense, in case that the tunnel at the creek would work to overflow. But as far as we know, that has never happened in the time that that tunnel has been in existence. Um, so for that reason, a culvert is still part of it. And you can see that the culvert slides right in place and it's some fill as well. And that concludes the, the slides that I did I have for you to see. Um, the last bridge in the contract is the one in Harkin Slough. And this is a short bridge uh, height-wise uh, at a location where run out from the farms above the road, uh, road bed for the, for the rail line. Uh, and the bridge uh, requires replacement of piles as well as uh, spacing. But because the bridge is near Slough, and also um, near some potential archaeological assets. The Army Corps of Engineers determined that consultation with the United States um, Department of Fish and Wildlife and the State Historic Preservation Office was necessary. U.S. Fish and Wildlife has already determined that there's no permit needed from, uh, from them, and the um, uh, contractors already worked out uh, a plan with the uh, State Historic Preservation Office to address any uh, archaeological assets that that may be found and so on, so it is anticipated that that uh, permit will be issued uh, uh, very soon. Um, now that the rains have begun, however, the um, uh, Regional Water Quality Control uh, Board had issued a permit uh, to do that work, uh, and they said, well, once you get the, the rest of the permits, let us know, 
and if we have a break, a break in the in the weather, and since you don't need a whole lot of time to, to work uh, out of the uh, waterway waterway area, the only three days you need to do that work, then they can issue uh, permits for that short period of time in between a, a, a break in, in the rain. But uh, at this point, we're not serving, so it might it might not be until the spring that that work gets done. So with that, uh, that concludes my staff report. Again, uh, staff does recommend that members uh, um, uh, express their interest in participating in the ad hoc committee and uh, borrowing the license to exchange fund for any of the Hey, Thank you. Uh, questions, Mr. Norton? Lisa, uh, I'm sure the, uh, the processing has been uh, difficult, if not um, time-consuming for um, the agencies are having to do this, being we have to deal with probably a fishing game and Coastal Commission, but Coastal Commission on every single bridge we do. Um, what has been the Coastal Commission staff response is? This is coastal access that we're creating here. So, well, on, uh, on active uh, rail lines that are uh, that are a common carrier line with, uh, with an operators designated by federal agencies as a common carrier, things work differently. Uh, than, than most of the projects. So for, for most of the work, actually, permits were not uh, necessary. Uh, coastal permit was necessarily only at La Selva, and that was because uh, in order to do the work, the uh, contractor needed to build um, a, pad, a pad outside of rail line right away for the, for the crane. And, and so because of that, that's why the Coastal permit was necessary, and it was done through the county planning department. It didn't need, didn't need to go to the to the coastal commission. That was something the county planning department is delegated to do on behalf of the coastal commission. And the county planning department uh, was very helpful, and worked very well with our DC staff and the uh, and the contractor to get that process done. Yeah. How many how many of the bridges along the corridor are considered historic? There are not any bridges on that rail line that are uh, registered historic at all. I think Capitola is. Uh, Capitola, the bridge in Capitola is in a historic district, but it's not registered as a historic structure. Okay. So. John, I'd like to volunteer for that subcommittee. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Chair. I uh, had a question about, you mentioned permits, final permits, and so forth. Number one, what was the request that came from the construction team? How much, how much was it uh, that was turned down, apparently? And is there a construction manager on this? Um, the request, I believe, was uh, around 65000 or so um, for that work. Um, and the construction manager that the RTC hired for this is the Hatchmont McDonald, which is an engineering firm that uh, has experience with construction projects. Okay. So that kind of leads me to my, my next question. Um, you know, one of the reasons why you know, there are ad hoc committees and so forth that gives greater oversight. I kind of have a problem with the, if you look on page 21.2, you have a proposal for A, B, and C in terms of COOs, CCOs, I should say, the value going up to 50,000. Uh, that gives the director the discretion to handle. And then anything between 50 and 100,000, it's the executive director and the chair, I believe, and then anything above 100,000 goes to this uh, ad hoc committee. Um, so, if that was in place, then this $65,000 issue, uh, 
um, would not come before anybody other than just two people. So I think it's better if we lower those thresholds to maybe $25,000 for the executive director to make their decision. Anything above that uh, to have greater transparency and oversight should be for this ad hoc committee that is set up. So that's my, um, I guess, either proposal or request. Just to clarify, what's here is what the Regional Transportation Commission already approved in terms of thresholds and a process for contract change orders that was approved in uh, January of 2012 for, for all the projects. Um, but naturally, the Transportation Commission can modify it. It's the Commission's own policy. Uh, and part of what, uh, what uh, you want, part of the goal when having such a, such a procedure is to make sure that the construction does, does proceed without delay and that therefore doesn't incur any penalties on the RTC as well for any undue delays. Uh, so you want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, but of course there are also you know, um, uh, uh, provisions in the contract that even though there are disputes that the work might, must continue, uh, but you know, sometimes you just got to work with the construction manager and, and contract on various issues and so on. Um, and from the, from the staff perspective, uh, a lot of times, for whatever the policy of the RTC may, may be in terms of monetary thresholds, if there are other issues involved that the, that the staff, uh, you know, the, the RTC really needs to use the land because it's not just about money, then yeah, they, they will come to, to the RTC. And, and I would expect that anything having to do with, with um, um, payment on any, any amount uh, for um, uh, permits because there is language in the contract that states that the contractor is responsible for permits. And that's something that would be a good idea for the, for the commission to weigh in on. So, but, but you make the point of 2012 auxiliary lanes, uh, thresholds that were already set up. Did that protect us from cost overruns uh, in that project, please? It's, it, this is not meant as a protection for cost overruns. Uh, it's, it's meant as a way to manage the project and continue the project forward and get the construction done. Um, it, it well, okay, let's much talk, well, let's talk, instead of cost overruns, let's talk, talk about project schedules. That one may have a schedule as well, correct? Well, this also isn't meant to you know, um, define a schedule and make sure that the, the schedule doesn't change. But you're alluding yeah. to those things. Yeah, you're alluding to the fact that, that they protect us against cost overruns schedule and so forth. So it helps manage all of that. Right. But in the past it didn't quite do the job. Well for the auxiliary high one auxiliary range construction project, if I recall correctly, the, the initial um, you know, estimate from the engineers and Caltrans for that work was 18 to 24 months. It was the contractor who later said, oh maybe we could do it, do it sooner and we tried to do it sooner but it didn't, it didn't work out. And so it ended up being closer to the estimate provided by the by the engineers hired by the RTC and Caltrans in 1825. Other questions people have? Are there any members of the public who would like to address us about this issue? Seeing none, I will bring it back to the uh, Commission for action. Are there any volunteers for the uh, oversight uh, committee? I count point, is that correct? I heard uh, one volunteer. Mr. Norton, I will be working with you and we will identify the other members of the committee. Um, so I'm going to put Dean on there right now. 
We don't have to, we're not going to uh, assign that committee now. We'll, we'll, we'll come back and let you know who's on it. But, uh, um, and I will uh, approve the temporary borrowing of the regional transportation transportation program from the RSTP. Second. Yeah. There's a motion by Robinson, seconded by Norton. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries unanimously. With that, we. Uh, are going to adjourn to a special meeting of the Service Authority for Freeway Emergencies. It's a, a separate agenda packet. We don't have to take a roll call, um, but I will ask if there's